Welcome to episode 366 of the Design Details Podcast. I'm Brian Levin. Uh, uh, hold on, sorry, I got to turn my fan off. I forgot. God bless it. Oh man, it's so hot. I had to turn it back on. Okay. I'm 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 getting to the hot point, so let's do this. <laughs> Welcome to episode 366 of the Design Details Podcast. I'm Brian Levin. And I'm Marshall Bach. Welcome back for another episode, Brian. 366 episodes. This means that our listeners can listen to an episode of Design Details every single day for an entire year, including on a leap year now. So Uh, full coverage, Brian. Full coverage. At this point, I am curious if we do have any persistent listeners who have heard all 366 and also can fathom that that's currently 365 hours and like five minutes of content that's buck wild that's a lot of time to fill yeah let us know if you've heard them all that's crazy. <laughs> i'm sure there's a couple out there right i hope so that'd be cool yeah super cool let us know all right we got a good episode coming out before we get into it huge shout out to hover you don't have a website yet what? what are you even a designer <laughs> go get a domain name if you are a designer and you don't have a domain name what are you even doing hover has you covered though they have over 300 domain name extensions to choose from when you get started building your website no matter what you need whether it's like a dot design a dot art dot photo so many good extensions you can get 10 percent off your first purchase when you sign up at hover.com slash design details thanks hover huge shout out to float like we're all still just getting by. I'm on the road working remotely. Marshall, you've been at home for four months, and I imagine many <laughs> uh, listeners out there. More like six or seven, dude. What is time? Yeah. <laughs> I imagine many of you out there are trying to figure out what month it is. Well, Float has been a lifeline for remote teams. They're going to help you keep up with your team's schedule remotely via Slack, email, lets you keep you and your team in the loop on any changes on tasks and projects with live notifications integrated wherever you work. And you can, of course, let your team know when you're going to be working remotely with scheduled status. You can learn more about Float and how it's going to help you and your team work remotely at float.com slash design details. Thanks, Float. All right. We also have some very important pixels this week. Huge shout outs to Rachel Truong, Diogo Sergio, Kuhn, Jay, and Domenico. Those last three. Three first namers. Yeah. Yeah. It's a Cher, Madonna, Britney, Beyonce day. Yeah. It's a nice kind of like diva vibe. Kuhn, Jay, Domenico. Mm-hmm. I like it. Rolls off the tongue. <laughs> yeah. Thank you all for supporting the show. All right. If you didn't know, we're a listener-supported podcast, which means that listeners like you actually make the show possible every single week. And we do that by recording a special supporter-only segment of the show every single week called The Sidebar. The sidebar is like an extra, basically, third or half of the episode. It's We usually do an extra listener question or an extra cool thing, a design story, a share tip or a resource. And uh, we've been doing that every week for a while now. And so if you want to get access to full episodes of the show and support us along the way, you can do that by going to patreon.com slash design details. It starts at just a dollar a month. So the barrier for entry is really low here. We wanted... We basically wanted as many people to be able to participate and, and hear some of these things because the sidebar yeah. is really a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, this week we answered uh, an extra bonus question talking about what is the duct tape of design? 
So if you want to hear that, again, that's at patreon.com slash design details, and you'll get access to the full backlog and full episodes going forward. So thank you to everyone supporting the show. Thanks, everybody. Okay, main topic. Marshall, I, I have something on my mind. It's a little fuzzy, um, but let's do our best to, to get through it. I just want to talk something out. So one thing on my mind is partially I'm forgetting. So this is good for me to just like remind myself what it was like. But the question is, what should people that are not senior, so below the you know title of senior, and I guess we'll end up talking about what that title even means, but what should people below, let's call them juniors or youngsters, apprentices, new people, new grads, I don't know, whatever the right thing, what should they be doing? Like Youths. How, how, do, how would a new designer sort of graduate from designer to product designer, like actually having the responsibilities that come along with seniority and like a higher title does that make sense yeah it's you know as all things do brian this depends Hmm. but yeah i guess maybe a a place to start out here is like defining what senior means or at least acknowledging that it means different things at different places right right like what what would be variants of the meaning of senior in this case well, at a at a small startup, I could imagine senior is like the top, right? Like you could be potentially in charge of the entire design for your... Yeah, it could be that. Or you could be like the 21-year-old director of design for like a four-person startup. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Either way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm CEO of my one-person company. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, but like, you know, senior means different things in different places. At a, at a company that has thousands of employees, senior might mean the same thing as associate at a startup, right? I'm curious if I were to say to you, this person is a senior designer, like what comes to mind? Because one side of my brain, I, I hear senior and I think like there's just a certain level of like leadership to it. There's a responsibility that comes with it. But I guess my mind could also go in a separate direction, which is less about like responsibility or area of ownership and more just about expertise in the craft. Like this person is just a really fucking good pixel person like they know how to design interfaces uh so i'm curious what do either of those or like new other other definitions come to mind when you hear senior yeah usually it's a indication of experience and the likelihood that a senior has shipped things is is much much higher than a junior or anybody below but yeah i mean i think it's uh it implies autonomy it implies history and pedigree of having shipped things already and, and knowing what the process is and not needing to have your hand held. Right. As well as like having a, a more thorough understanding of the product and its needs and your users' needs and everything. And so this is where I'm trying to remember or sort of recalibrate what it's like to get to that point. Like if you are below that, you don't have you haven't shipped many things, you don't have that pedigree. Perhaps, you know, you're in a situation where you're not invited to meetings where decisions are made and you're just handed work. What are ways for people to fill in those gaps and become, I guess you'd call it a senior or another way to put it would be like to put the product into the title product designer, you know? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, I I think the first step would probably be something in the realm of just like uh, observing and asking questions, right? Like anytime I think about stepping up into a new level of participation, I approach that with the understanding that I will be ignorant of many things and stuff that may seem like it doesn't make sense probably does make sense. I just don't know enough about it to to realize that it makes sense. So like if you want to be in that new role, talking to people who are actually in that role or at least like listening to the rationale behind the decisions that they're making 
can help you kind of read between the lines and understand a little bit more about like the constraints that they're potentially dealing with. Yeah, I think ask. Yeah, that's good. Observing. I think it's hard to observe if if you're not invited to the conversations where you might get the most observation. Fair enough. So, like, what if you're not invited to the meetings and you you ask for that, but you can't quite get it or I mean, I think there's a lot to unpack there around like, well, that sounds like a crappy place to work. But <laughs> if, if you are in that situation and you just need that exposure, do you have ideas for how you could do it? I could like I, I have I guess I I have some. Oh yeah, yeah. You tell me. So one thing that came to mind for me is like, I guess you might say fake it till you make it, but basically how could you play the perceived part of that senior product designer? on something that is smaller, more inconsequential, and you might, like, other people don't need to be in a meeting about. So uh, this is probably a bad example, but, like, if you need to just create a settings screen for a particular thing, is there a way to own that with such intensity and seriousness that you really think about, like, what does success look like for this settings screen? Yeah. Like, how are people going to engage with it? What's the discoverability? Like, is this does is this working uh, across languages and devices? Like really, like getting serious. Which I guess you know you should have that for for everything that you work on. But uh, when you're just getting started, like really leaning into that, playing the part. I don't know. Does that sound right? Yeah, I mean dry run, right? Like yeah. doing a dry run, especially if it's a, a sanctioned dry run where it's like okay, your your manager gives it to you specifically with that as kind of the the lens that it's being viewed through. So like okay, we'll we'll judge you as if you are working at this higher level. Yeah, and in that case I guess it would be like showing that you could take responsibility for a thing and run with it. Like I guess in that moment it would be interesting to watch what somebody does with when do they ask for help? Like, how many variants of a thing have they tried before they got truly stuck? Mm-hmm. When they got stuck, what did they do? Do they follow up and like fix things? What level of polish do they seek with engineers? That kind of thing. Yep. Yeah. Also, I think kind of what I was getting at earlier is is the idea of like wrapping your head around why decisions are made so that you can replicate that with your own decision making so that you can kind of you know think the way the rest of your organization is thinking you know what i mean and uh, i think part of that is one you know just asking the questions and getting direct answers for like things that you're uncertain about and another might be take the initiative to identify when something is suboptimal, right? Like I, uh, recognizing when a pattern being used isn't isn't the best one to be used, or if you're aware of, of research that says that we shouldn't be doing something, like basically flagging a bad direction and making some sort of presentation as to as to why it's the wrong decision and what you think the right decision might be, especially if you present that to a small audience initially and they can safely give you some feedback of like, oh, you just don't understand this stuff and that's why you're wrong. Or, yeah, no, this is a good thing. I'm glad you recognize this. We, sh- we should you know, go in the other direction. And once you establish yourself as someone who is, a, is concerned with product excellence and has the user in mind and is, is always looking for the best pattern, then you'll be trusted to kind of make those decisions on your own eventually. And people are like, oh, yeah, they understand how the product works, what our users need, and what patterns are, are going to work best for the goal we're trying to achieve, then you get more autonomy, you get more ownership, and yeah, eventually get that promo. This reminds me, I, I think we've talked about this in the past, but it's really, I, I agree with everything you said, and it's like seeking opportunity 
as the tides change. Right. And I guess I can remember a few times this has happened for me. Usually it's like when somebody departs, right? Like somebody senior leaves or a PM leaves or a yeah. manager leaves and there's suddenly this gap in the organization mm-hmm. and processing for a particular product that just needs to get filled and that's a great time. But like even as you mentioned, new research emerges or the company's mission changes or leadership starts beating a different drum and identifying those changing tides is like, this is where I can basically be on a level playing field with other people who are also trying to sort of adjust to the new direction or the new context. Mm-hmm. This also reminds me of, have you heard of the principal agent problem? No, maybe I have. I don't know. You tell me. So I love this and I think it's really important. And I think I will get probably some criticism from people that lambast the dastardly deeds of capitalism but it's loosely (laughs) it's loosely this that a nearly surefire way to succeed and grow is to act less like an agent and more like a principal where in this case a principal would be an owner of a thing and an agent would be like an employee so the question the framing becomes less of what does the business want me to do versus um what does the business need to succeed in executing against that? And I think that probably sounds obvious to people. Like, yeah, of course, I'm, I'm working to make the business successful. But I find that, and I've been there, of feeling very much like an agent, feeling very much just like an employee where things are handed to me and I execute them and the results are so far upstream, it's almost abstracted away. Like, mm-hmm. it's hard to actually understand your impact there. Yeah, But if you can actually transform your way of thinking to be more principle-driven, like, okay, in every single decision I make, I will frame it as I'm pretending I'm the CEO of the company and I need to make the best decision for the company uh, rather than the best decision for me personally, whether that's financial or you know gunning for a promotion. Mm-hmm. And then things tend to follow after that. Like if you are constantly doing what's best for the business, it seems to be the case that promotions and money and, and glory flow from that. But yeah, I think there might be people that get stuck on that, like stuck feeling like an agent without agency, if that makes sense, like the without having like a founder mentality or without feeling like the success of the business is their own personal success. Almost Mm -hmm. like there's a tension between like, I have to decide what's best for me versus what's best for the business. Hmm. Sorry, I don't have anything to add. (laughs) Anyways, I actually, I have more on this. I, I can link to, we'll have a link in the show notes, but Naval has a nice, it's like a six minute podcast episode about this. It's called the principal agent problem. And he basically articulates a million times more clearly what I've just described. Like how do you <laughs> convince people to think like the owner? And then if you're not the owner, how to progress and grow by thinking as though you are the owner. Mm-hmm. Okay. Let's let's leave it there. I'd love to hear from more people. Just tweeted us like, were there specific things that you did that sort of fast tracked you into that senior and above role? Was it identifying opportunities? Like, does the principal agent problem gel with people? I, I can imagine a lot of people being like, well, why would I think like the business if the owners actually get ninety nine percent of the equity and I'm just mm-hmm. sitting here a little schlub getting useful the, idiot the yeah. scraps? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So let us know what you think on Twitter tweet at us it's always helpful to get feedback on some of these topics all right marshall should we do cool things and wrap let us do the cool things this is a a random one but timely for me so marshall i would say two years ago when we moved to new york we had a bedroom that faced or had a window facing east 
which is the direction that the sun rises. Uh-huh. And I'm not an early morning person. I, I would like to be, but I am not, alas. <laughs> and until we had curtains, I could not sleep. And it was torture. I hated it. So you know what I did? I went and I bought one of those like uh, like silk eye masks, uh-huh. which up until that point in my life had always been this like prop in a movie that seemed to communicate that like this person is rich and stuffy and yeah. like, you know, yeah. like it's what it's what um, rich ladies wear yeah. wear to sleep, or like either that or people on a plane. That's when I yes, think of yes. eye masks. Yeah. Anyways, I got one, and uh, it's become a daily staple for me. You're a rich lady now, Brian. Uh, my evolution to rich old lady has completed. <laughs> Man, these eye masks are wonderful, and I I take it with me everywhere I go, and it is especially timely. We're on a road trip now, and we're going to be in. A variety of hotels facing a variety of directions with a variety of quality of uh, blackout shades. Uh-huh. And having these, you can actually sleep through that first light sort of blasting you in the eyeballs and wake up a little more naturally. I know there's like probably some mixed signs on whether you should wake up with the sunrise or not, but I am not one of those people. So I'm going to plug eye masks generically. I'll just say I got mine <laughs> on Amazon. It's like 10 bucks. You can there's probably like a range of quality you can get, but mm-hmm. despite the pop culture association with rich old ladies, uh, it is not a rich product. It is very cheap and, and accessible. So that's my cool thing. See, okay, here's my problem with eye masks. I've never tried them, but outside of like on a plane where I'm sitting still and can't like recline or actually sleep sleep, but does it stay on your face all night? Like I would yeah. imagine that by the time I morning came around and it would be useful it would have fallen off my face due to all the tossing and turning uh no i mean it has a little adjustment strap you can get it nice and snug there's like a a really a goldilocks spot where it's tight enough to not move in the night but not Mm -hmm. tight enough to feel noticeable pressure on your face or the back of your head all right all right i will say it it does take a few days to get used to like the first couple days it was weird having this thing on your face but at this point i'm so used to it it almost feels wrong to not have that that uh-huh. makes sense. So bougie, Brian. So bougie. You know, I'm fancy now. <laughs> well, cool thing. All right. My cool thing is a television show I've been watching recently. Um, we do a bi-weekly call with my parents where we chat for a couple hours and catch each other up. And one of the, the parts of that conversation is always a sharing of what shows we've been watching. And I told them that I've been watching this show called Raised by Wolves. And my fiance, Virginia, she was like, Wait, you've been watching that show without me? Raised by Wolves? That sounds awesome. I'm like, no, 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 honey. It doesn't have any wolves in it. Okay, (laughs) Uh okay. Uh, It's a metaphor. It's not actually about wolves or being raised by them. Well, I guess, uh, yeah. Raised by metaphorical wolves, I guess. But it's this uh, very like heavy sci-fi story about, um, it's kind of depressing, but in the future, like, a religious battle between the atheists and this like new religion has basically wiped out all of humanity and we're space bound looking for a new planet. And basically the war has decimated all of humanity and there's not a whole lot of us left. And uh, so the atheists send these androids to raise these children on this barren planet in the hopes of like rekindling civilization. So that's uh that's raised by wolves. It's pretty interesting it's on hbo max so it's like it you know the production quality is really high and i think there's like seven episodes or something right now there might be another one out but uh, it's not done yet and i've i've been watching it but i'm several episodes in and i'm far enough now that i can recommend it i I think it's pretty good so awesome okay check it out uh i'm into depressing end of civilization kind of vibes (laughs) right now that seems so topical yeah just turn on the news fuck (laughs) 
I need that kind of escapism in my life because the world is just too happy as it is right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just, yeah, so happy go lucky. I look outside and saw rainbows and sunshine. <laughs> uh, well, I am looking at a beautiful sunset right now, which means it's time to go get dinner. So let's get out of here. All right. This has been episode 366 of the Design Details podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. Let us know what you thought. We're on Twitter at Design Details FM. If you did enjoy it and want to support the show, we would really appreciate it. You can consider doing that by going to patreon.com slash design details. For just a buck a month, you get access to full episodes of the show where supporters get access to a segment called the sidebar. sidebar and this week sidebar. we answered an extra listener question. So if you want to hear that, that's patreon.com slash design details. Otherwise, if you need more podcasts for your eardrums, go to spec.fm. That's our podcast network for designers and developers. Just, Just like, like you. you. Oh, you're fucking it up. Tweet at us. Uh, we'd love to hear you at Design Details FM, and we'll catch you next week. Bye bye, Brian. Bye-bye, Brian. Hey, you know, one of my favorite lines from a TV show that I can't get out of my head uh-huh. is when What's-His-Face in Mr. Robot would say, Bonsoir, Elliot. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah what was that character's name? Tyson? Uh, no, uh, close, though. Um, Tyrell. Tyrell. Yeah. Fuck, Tyrell. Yeah. Bonsoir, Elliot. Bonsoir, <laughs> Elliot. He like he he included the R at the end in such a, like a weird way. Uh-huh. Uh, it's been stuck in my head ever since. Bonsoir, mm-hmm. Elliot. Mm-hmm. Hasta la vista, Elliot. <laughs>